from uh, the uh, here we are on a friday morning and uh life couldn't be better sun's coming up up over the continental divide here in idaho and uh and it's going to be another what 105 degree day in old texas i think um i think sunday's going to be our coolest day for the next 10 and it's 104 on Sunday. So yesterday oh, was 105. Woke up this morning, got out of the shop. I got out of the shop about 445 and it was uh 82 degrees. Ain't it lovely? Oh man. That's that's the butt kick in there is it doesn't cool off. Kicks my tail. Oh well. Getting down in the fifties and sometimes dipping down into the high forties overnight. I'm tired of talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> We have somebody else to talk about and with today. That, that's right. We got a repeat offender. Actually, it's he's a three-peat offender, Mr. Mike Skinner. Yeah. So Mike's the one that's kind of got us tuned in to the time journaling and, and all of that stuff. And people have heard us talk about that. Welcome, Mike. Good morning. It's nice to be here fun to watch the two of you start to put a bow on your TCA gear. It's uh, really cool stuff. And to the last few weeks, I've just been sitting back watching you guys work your tails off and see the results of it. I'm looking forward to see what everything, once it's, once the pictures are done and it's ready to go. It is a, a wonderful time of the year for me. Uh, I love doing that stuff that we have no idea whether we can do or not. And then, uh, to be able to say I'm done by the deadline, yeah. that is exciting. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> yes, Towards indeed. How far are you away? Are you close? Well, no. I'm probably a day away from having my saddle done, and uh, and I got some other smaller projects in in the works and stuff. Kind of plan on doing a series of notebook covers. I can't seem to get away from them. They're kind of been my stock and trade i think i some days i think i could probably just make a living building notebook covers and because there's so much they're timeless they're a, a lot of opportunity for artistic expression and and uh just just something that's accessible for pretty much everybody and uh so i'm gonna make a i don't know a little batch of those all the way from pretty fairly simple all the way to a nosebleed job so, hmm. so I, I'll have fun, a lot of fun with all of them. So I'm, I'm within striking distance. I got some artwork done on a fancy one here, so we'll get there. I will be, uh, as soon as I get paid, as soon as I get paid up on my already OU trade, uh, I'll, I'll be ahead of you and then I'll ask for one of them notebook covers. <laughs> well, there you go. No, we yeah, need to need to put that in the rotation, but you know it's all in the efficiency. You, it's about as easy to build six of them as four of them. So, oh wow, cool! Yeah. We better get this thing figured out. Yeah, buddy. yeah. Let don't put mine in there until I get paid up, please. <laughs> I don't need pressure. I'm behind. Oh well, well I I uh, I, I have to say that with Mike here with us today, this is, um, this is very exciting for me in a lot of ways because I, and I think this has value and some of our listeners can comment back on, on what's about to happen here. But, uh, 
me and you're in class today, right, Carrie? Again, uh, with Mike, yep. uh, we're we're listening and and uh, and trying to trying to get better. And and I think there's a, a large amount of value as you and I learn about something from. Uh, we'll go ahead and put you as an expert, Mike. It's our podcast, and we can call you what we want, so you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> but. But uh, you certainly have the experience and all that to share with us and help us, and and that has been one of the one of the hardest things of our disciplines forever is finding somebody to teach us, right? And so the TCA has provided a platform and a way for people to learn and improve their craft, but that's only half the equation if we're going to preserve and promote the disciplines and all that. And then and uh, so the business side of what you're going to share with us is extremely exciting, and uh, I'm excited to get started on that today. Cool. Well, and it, it, you, know, it, it, you know, as we get into this, um, so much of this is about the business end of what we do, but it's also about um, the life side of what we um, do mm-hmm. because it's, it's all connect. Uh, we only have 24 hours a day and so many days in our life. And so how we use that time, whether it's for business or personal is um, should be, in my opinion, one of the most important things that we try to understand and that we try to get the most out of. Um, and it's remarkable how fast a day can get away from you. Right? Yesterday, mm. I had a plan. And seven hours later, um, I hadn't even touched it. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just one um, life event after the next that required attention that was unplanned, unexpected, and unavoidable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I got to believe that everybody experiences that because that's just the nature of the world we live in today. Um, you know, things just like getting yesterday was about getting things fixed in service. And it used to be you'd plan those out, it was easy to get the appointment, people showed up on time. Things got done, and that doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the window is, uh, we'll be there between 8 and noon. Um, and <laughs> so, you you know, you sit there and wait. Um, yeah. And you, that, that that's time that's lost, unrecoverable, unless um, you're using it. So um, it's fun for me to dive into because it, it just affects so many things. I, I thought maybe it'd be fun this morning uh Everybody's been hearing the two of you talk about time journaling. And for those who didn't hear some of the earlier podcasts, that all began in Oklahoma City earlier this year as Wilson and I got to know each other at a TCA uh, Bit and Spur and Rawhide uh, event. Mm-hmm. And it started with just simply getting to know each other, uh, starting to realize we we both had uh, an interest in uh, the financial side of what we do in the traditional crafts. And on the right side of me, I had Jason, who is uh, the treasurer of the TCA, a CPA. So we kind of had our own little financial click going on uh, in the room. And uh, I'm always looking for a way to engage in that part of the conversation. And the, and the, we talked about a lot of things, but the thing that clicked with you, Wilson, was the idea of time journaling. Man, you stressed the importance of it. And I thought, well, I can kind of do it. I already kind of do it with my pieces. So let's, why not? Yeah. 
So, so that began with the, the idea at, at, of time journaling, which is literally capturing everything that you do in the course of a day. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hit everything hard because it's not just about the work you do in your shop, but it's about the, the work, but the things that occur in your life. All right. Because that's, we're balancing all of that as we um, try to organize what we do, how we do it, and how we generate uh, revenue from those activities. And you grabbed it and ran with it, um, which I was pretty excited. Sometimes people um, grab it and run as far away as they possibly can. and and to, to and to both of your credits more often than not it it begins like a lot of things do with a lot of excitement a lot of effort a lot of interest and then just slowly hits the glide slope down uh, yeah. and gets lost in the uh, daily activities and the drive to take care of the priorities that you have and so the fact that two of you kept it a priority uh, i i think is a credit to your discipline and it, it allows us to have this part of the conversation now. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. I, it, it's, well, I think the hope, it, I, my hope is that now we need, we need to make it pay off. Well, and, that, and that's, that's where we're headed because full disclosure, a couple of weeks ago, I quit doing it because it was, I wasn't analyzing, right. I wasn't inspecting. It was kind of the same stuff over and over. I, I noticed the patterns a, a week after time journaling, I hired Eli. I was like, uh oh, I have like it was impactful immediately and, and showed me what I was doing. I was like, I have to change this. And Eli's been one of the greatest things I've had in my shop that I one of the greatest decisions I've made in my shop. And I was an idiot for not doing it five years ago. But um, I'm thankful to have that part in here. But it got to the point of, OK, I'm under the same I'm doing the same things over and over and over and over again in my shop. So um so I quit. Now I'll tell you later on what that has morphed into in some other ways. Like it created journaling in other ways for me in my shop that I'm, that I'm now starting to do. But Gary, what, what's your, where are you at in it right now? Well, I'm, I don't know how many weeks, probably, probably a couple months here now, at least. And, um, and <laughs> like, like, I think I, I've, said on this podcast i think i did on a text message to mike i i hate this keeping track i hate to have to keep track of this time and and uh i think to emphasize what you just said i've said it before uh mike that that you keep track of everything and uh if there's one thing that (laughs) happens as you get a little bit older is you realize there there's a a limited amount of time, not only in a day, but in your life. And if you want to accomplish some of the goals that that you want to accomplish, then we're going to have to tighten up this ship. And time journaling is, has done that in spades for me. It's really forced my hand. It's made me realize, wow, I could spend 30, 40 minutes a day on Facebook and not even and 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 have nothing to show for it. So things like that, it's like being on a diet. Like you said, you're, you're keeping track of things, but you do get to a place where, uh, you, you do have to kind of grind it out. 
because, oh, do I have to do this? Do I have to do this? Even though it's, it's become something of a habit, it's, mm-hmm. there still has to be a carrot on the stick. There has to be a reason to keep doing it. And I think that's what we're going to pivot into today. Well, and, and so as the two of you were going through all of this, uh, I, I, I was anticipating that we would reach this point. Uh, and I purposely didn't ask the question of, are you ready for phase two? <laughs> because one of the things for me as a check-in is that uh, if, if you don't ask, then that usually suggests um, a lack of interest or um, a readiness sometimes to, to be able to, to get to that, that next phase. And so, Carrie, I, I wasn't so, um, because you started a little later in the process, I, I, I was less focused on you, frankly, than I was on Wilson. Um, and I picked up on one of the podcasts that he, he'd hit the end of the rope. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe he didn't stop yet, but he was at the end of the rope. Yeah. And so then it was, okay. Um, are they, are they hungry for the next step? Because I've learned in all of this, you can't force any of this on someone uh, because it, uh, if it, you, you have to want to do it, you have to feel like you're getting something out of it. Uh, and you have to be able to feel like you really want to lean in. Um, you know, it, it, if you get bucked off a horse and you don't really want to do what you're doing, you probably don't get back a lot again. But if you're, if, if you're in it for the journey, if you recognize that was just a hiccup on a, on a road to a, to a really cool place, now you pull up and you say, okay, I, I need to stay in this. I need to get back in it. I, yeah. I need to, to try to progress. So I was waiting, literally mm-hmm. just sitting back waiting, saying, okay, what's going to happen here? Um, and in my world, a lot of times, um, nothing happens. <laughs> and uh, which is unfortunate and it's frustrating at mm-hmm. times. But what I've learned is I can't, I can't hit the fast forward button. I can't, um, I'm a control freak, and so my my uh, knee jerk reaction is to control. I can't control um, how people behave or act or want what they want or how what they're interested in. That's literally something you have to decide. Yep. Well, what's next? So okay. <laughs> uh, and the answer is a whole lot. I'm uh, sure. And now, you know what, Mike, now that I know that there's a whole lot left. Okay. I'm, I'm in, right. It's like, I, I'll be pushing. Well, and, and I think the next part of this is, is it was stunning to me when I first um, came in contact with this idea. Um, there's a, a concept called the Pareto principle. Um, it was, developed in the early 20th century in Italy. Um, so it's been around for a really long time. So there's been a lot of opportunity for uh, economists and business folks to test it and uh, validate it. And I've had an opportunity to test it and validate it. And the basic idea is very, very simple. But what it suggests is that 
20% of the things that you do generate 80% of the results. Mm -hmm. So, and that's true uh, in your business life. It's been proven to be true in your personal life. Um, it is, it is a um, time-tested rule. And when I first ran across it years ago in business, it was like, oh, that's, that just can't be right. And, and as I started to dive into the businesses that I was running, it was amazing. Um, it didn't matter whether I was in dog food or I was counting coins um, or renting videos. It was true. Um, it wasn't always 80-20. Sometimes it was 85-15 or 70-30. But, in, but in, in, a, in a relative range, a very small part of the things that we do have the greatest impact. And so what that suggests in your uh, business world is that there is a very small number of things that you do that are generating the highest return. And that other 80% are ones that uh, either are underpriced, they're um, not of great that of highest interest to your consumers or highest value, and so as you look to maximize your your returns, maximize your value, the focus on those eighty will detract from the real value, which is the focus on the twenty. Mm -hmm. So your time journaling. One of the things that you will get from that is beginning to isolate that 20%. Uh, you would do it if you had financials on your everything that you built. So if, if you thought about, so in Kerry's world, um, if, if you thought about saddles as a category and bucking rolls as a category, knife sheets as a category, uh, notebooks as a category, if you had a, if you had a, PL on each of those items, you would be able to see the 80-20 rule as you rolled those up. Hmm. Uh, so you'll be able to, to validate this in a variety of different ways as you move into, into this next phase of things. Um, and, and part of the reason why time the activity of time journaling is important is that you're starting to build a discipline of capturing data. Right, right. Because because if it's in your head and not on paper, you have in my world you have not captured it. Right. If you've put it on a piece of paper that gets lost or misplaced or filed, and is not immediately accessible to you, you have not captured it. So you now have something in a format in a notebook where you've captured it, and and you can now begin to work it. So. These things are connected, but now the next step of this is beginning to become to narrowing in on um, what what you're doing that has the greatest value and how do you then put more attention against it to generate more there and and potentially do less in some of the other areas or change how you're doing. It. One of my focuses all along was no matter what it was I was doing in the shop they all, my time was the same of the same value. And no matter what it was, I was doing, I never, I never priced anything according to what the market would hold or what I thought. And let me back up. 
what I thought the market would hold is I just always tried to market and brand my time as X as valuable. So spurs bits, it didn't matter what it was I'm creating. It was still the same time value of commitment, right? The value of the commitment was the same. So yeah, a bit maybe more than a pair of spurs or vice versa, but it was the same value, but that's very interesting of looking at, cause there are probably some things I'm doing. Well, I know they are. I mean, I don't know about things I'm making. I don't know. That's going to be very interesting to look at is, is am I getting paid better for a pair of spurs than I am a buckle or something like that? Well, when you may not be today. Right. Right. But, but if the cost of gener of creating those on a relative basis between a bit and a set of spurs mm -hmm. is different, i.e. the spurs um, are much higher on a percentage basis than they are in a bit, then your margin is lower. So even though you may be maybe pricing consistently at the top, yeah, the margin, the penny margin that you're generating at the bottom is where you'll, you'll start to see that 80-20 begin to pop up. So we you, we can get at this a variety of different ways. Sure. I think it helps us with bidding too, Mike. Like that's so... You know, I, I talk about my hourly rate and charging by the hour and keeping track of time and all that. But ultimately, that doesn't matter because I bid the project to begin with and then hope like all Dickens that I can get there and in in the amount of time that I think I'm going to spend on it. So as you evaluate these things, if it if like to me, if 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 spurs are below bits, then I need to bid more properly on my spurs i'm not valuing them properly right Does that well, makes sense and, it, it, and you and i introduced two concepts or in, in one of the earlier podcasts um one of them one of the, the the basic tenets for me is and there's a lot of books written on the art of strategy one of the the most important concepts to me in all of that is not what are you going to do, but what are you not going to do? Right. The ability to say no to something. Um, I've been involved with, with a few folks now for a long time in, in the maker space. And it took a, it's taken two or three years for them to get to a point where they said, I'm just not doing this anymore mm -hmm. because it starts out, looking really easy. It, I can knock it out of the ballpark in a minute, but it's not important to my business necessarily. So it gets pushed further back in the process. And now I, now I got to get it done. And it's, and it ends up taking more time than I thought. Right. Um, it, it, a lot of times it has to do with fitting. So you, you spend a lot of time trying to fit something and, you know, uh, and all of a sudden it just blossoms into something that is not of, of great value. And, and it takes a while to be able to learn to say no. Um, so that's one piece. This, the second piece of this is that um, you have to be able to um, take some risk. So mm -hmm. it, 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 it and and risk may be look instead of saying no, it may be how else could I accomplish this? So, for example, um, you may have something that you do all the time that's better to outsource to someone else. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes that's hard because you're probably doing it because it's a it's a uh, important customer, it's a family relationship. There's some connection that makes it important, but mm-hmm. literally someone else could do it just as well as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. it, it and that doesn't mean that your name's not on it. There's millions of products that are produced every year by someone else. Some of my clients are contract manufacturers, and they're making things that have someone else's packaging on it. You know, that's something that that I that I feel like I have friends that have that have done similar things. And and my mentor Greg Darnell, um, Greg had a feed store line of, of bridal bits. I shouldn't say feed store, mass production, sold in feed stores. And, and, uh, we have to, as custom creators, the, the shoes that, that with it, all three of us are doing, we have to be very careful that we don't mess up that name though, because if there's confusion between the, the production line that somebody else is doing and the custom one-offs that I'm creating, we, how do we, how, like, that's a very, I have to be careful there. Right. I think it's an excellent point. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't, and 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 this happens a lot. Um, the expectation is you just turn it over to somebody else, and it's going to get taken care of. Right. No. That that never works. Uh-uh. There's another uh, really important, and, and you learned this raising your kids. Mm-hmm. You have to inspect what you expect. Right. <laughs> yep. Right. It, it began raising our kids. Right. Um, and. Funny how in the business world, sometimes we don't do that. We don't take the time to um, truly establish parameters, right? That, that we're back to discipline. So what is what is it that you're going to do? How are we going to evaluate success? So, so when you produce X for me, how are we going to know that it's at the quality level and the performance level and the, and the, and, and the image level that needs to be delivered for me to have my name on it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have a process to be able to inspect that, to ensure that that follow through is truly happening. And you have to be willing to accept that there's going to be a hiccup here and there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and have a, a, a plan for how you're going to deal with that. And, so, so it's it, it takes energy and effort, but it also frees up time. Sure, well, allows you to take care of some pressures, and 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 the fact of the matter that if every dollar I make has to come from my hands, I'm very limited as to what we can produce, right? So, financials are very limited. Yeah. So, so that's. Um, and, and then the other part of this is just frankly being being. Uh, committed to saying no. Right. Right. I guarantee you there is, there are things that you did already this year that (laughs) if you put a microscope on it, you should have said no. Yeah, totally. But it was a friend. It was a collector. It was a a family member. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I fall into this. I'm, I'm terrible about this. Well, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> let me go try that. Um, and 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 I'll and also 
I think for those who are hobbyists, some of this is not going to be relevant. Right. Um, and probably be viewed as what the heck, why would I do that? And I understand that but for mm-hmm. someone who's trying to make a living and put food on the table and, and meet their obligations to their family. These things are, are, are critical for the hobbyist. I think they're, they're probably interesting. They can be helpful, but they're probably not going to be as meaningful as they would be to someone who's, who's truly generating um, their life's income from doing this. You know, okay. I'm going to ask you this question and we can elaborate a little bit here towards Mike, but so Mike, I've been, I'll talk to you first. I've been a very, I've not been a fan of using my name on anything. I'm still not, to be honest. I am not a fan of using my name on anything that my hands didn't create. Now, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And that, as I said a while ago, I'm, I'm very limited as to what I can produce. So income is, I don't have a business. I have a very good job is what I have. That's what I've created for myself with that scenario. Um, the minute I walk out the doors of my shop, productivity stops. The business ends. I, I have nothing to sell as a business, uh, a product, but I don't have a business if I'm not there in it. So I'm not a fan, but I, and I've, and I've seen so many people, um, dilute the value of their name by creating confusion in the marketplace as to what it is their name stands for. Is it quality? Is it production? Um, and if you have both, then the custom, the custom collectors are not fans. Of course you can make a lot more money by producing volume. Right. And, and, and so there's and there's a certain spot the availability price point and availability is a big thing within the marketplace that people can grab a hold of right but so but I totally agree with what you're saying if i'm gonna if I'm gonna maximize this, then hey, let's get that stuff out there and and uh uh without how that's the big question to me. How do I not create confusion as to what my hands create, which has a dollar figure value, a perceived value, and then price point and availability to a whole nother marketplace that honestly is way bigger, way bigger than where I'm at. Kerry, how do you feel about that? Well, this is a a battle I've had in my own mind, too, uh, for quite a while, actually. And I think the question you need to ask is what are those quote unquote products that we're marketing under our name? And are they, are they, are they handmade items or are they merch? You know, we've, mm. we've oh, it's probably starting uh, not quite a year ago. We got these tote bags that we went back and forth with a couple of different outfits to get a, some artwork of mine silk screened onto the bag. And, and, uh, so the question is, how do we, how do we merch, how do we market these? Well, it's my artwork. And I, then I, all of a sudden I run aground with, <laughs> do I market those on my current social media? And, and as Wilson said, kind of muddy the water a little bit make it look kind of dumbed down my brand in some sense isn't that what you're worried about to kind of jeopardize your brand the stature of your brand wilson 
Yeah, I just don't Isn't want it? people. I've seen so much confusion with people saying, well, that, that, oh, Wilson made this. And I mean, I've never done it, but that that's the problem. Like, like Greg, Greg had custom work and he had his production line and, and people would come to me. Well, how the hell did you learn from him? He couldn't do anything like that. Yes, he could. He absolutely could. They just never saw it, right? Because all they saw was a feed store. So that's the value they associated with his name was was the feed store product. Yeah. Okay. I, and, and I think that's all fair pushback. I, look, I, 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 I've done what I'm talking about. I've done in a corporate world with mass produced products um, and uh, I, I don't know how far it goes into this space. What I'm the main thing I'm looking for in all of this are what are the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. That that's that's the that's the number one. Yeah. Focus, okay. Right. Coming off of that, as you do that analysis, there may be things that in that category of stop doing that are still valuable to your bottom line that you can ask the question of rather than just stop cold turkey and not do this anymore and direct my customers elsewhere, is this a place mm. where I can outsource it or have some portion of it done that um, would take, that would, would change the economics um, of that? And so you may not say no to it, but you may say, well, I'm going to have, this part of it outsourced and, and I'll, I mean, this may not work and I'll just use it as an example, but carry on your notebook covers. It may be that the, that all the leather work, um, if that's die cut can be die cut and, um, simply come in in pieces and parts and you're, you hand sew them and you, you're the one that tools them and puts the finishing touches on that's Carrie Schwartz work. Mm -hmm. um, in my world, um, as long as the leather quality and, um, the look and feel when it is finished, but you didn't have to cut the leather. You didn't have to source the leather. You did you, right. There's, and I, I'm just as an example, mm -hmm. I totally agree with that, Mike, the, the, me buying the laser, having the laser in my shop. So instead of spending two and a half hours on a bandsaw, now I got 30 seconds on a fiber laser and it, it's still my hands doing everything. It's just a cut part that I didn't have to spend so daggum much time doing it. So that's a bit of technology rather than outsource, but it's a similar deal. We're saving time. Yeah. And I think your customers too can guide, will guide some of this conversation. Uh, it all has to do with uh, each, each item is going to be, uh, if, and I don't know if, if Carrie's doing this or not, but if Carrie was building knife sheets um, and you know, there's a lot of leather workers out there today that, that they've built, that they've made a, a business out of that. Um, I don't know that um, that may, you know, that, that would be one you I'd tee up and say, why are you doing that? Um, mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah, you can. <laughs> we'll go back to the Connolly Walker quote. I love just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right? Yep. It's you guys, you're, you're so, um, so good at what you do, you can do anything. Yeah. And that's a trap. So we're, we're starting to isolate those things that we should have a conversation about. And that's all I'm saying. 
We want it, the next piece of work is isolating things into um, the 80-20 rule. And then the other um, part of this is more of a, a, a question for the each of you to ask yourself. And it's simply what's working about my life today and what's not. Hmm. What's working and what's not. Come based on your time journal. So the time journal is the data input for each of these things. Hmm. You know, when you when you you talk about isolating that twenty percent and analyzing the data, all all of that kind of stuff, uh, and you've also separated out, Mike. Uh, you know what we we would call work that that is billable hours, and I think that's that's kind of the main thrust is deep, is kind of sort off those things that just simply are not profitable. Bottom line, they're not profitable. But but then I, I look, and I haven't done uh, extensive work on it, but I got a fair amount of stuff that. Uh, that uh, populates my my day that I'm not getting any paid anything for that I need to get somebody that's the stuff I need to outsource more of that kind of thing that running errands and different things like that almost anybody can do that uh well I need to find that that to me is the the killer uh it just looks looks to me like the, and I I'm, I'm it all comes down to me because I'm not willing to hand it off to somebody. Um, I, I'm just, I got a, got a occlusion in my well, brain that just prevents me from doing that. And that's where Eli how, hired yes. somebody to do that is the perfect, perfect deal. It, and Eli, I can, I can't express to you how beneficial it was for me, Kerry. I mean, it's just like, him taking my truck to town to get the oil changed and the brakes looked at this morning. How much money did that make me? Right. It's a ton. It takes two hours. Do the math. Right. Yep. It's not hard. And, and the stress that it relieves on me uh, was, was crazy. Now there's, there's another part to this situation, Mike, that, so yeah, I did that immediately. I, 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 and, and the Lord blessed me in a way with Eli because Eli needed me and I needed Eli we were put together and we took advantage of the opportunity, both of us. Um, so that was awesome. But um, the other thing too, I sent a letter out a couple of weeks ago to my customers explaining I'm, I, I'll be five years behind on orders by the next time I do one of my regular orders. And I'm committed out through 2023 on commitments already. I, my time is booked. So the next time I do that regular order, it'll, it'll be five years back. I sent a letter out the other day, Mike, explaining, just communicating with folks, hey, this is what I'm doing now. I'm taking care of the high end. I'm focusing on the high end. So in a way, I didn't fire anybody that's on my order book. I didn't tell them I wouldn't do it. But the bottom line, the base, the entry level piece that I'm going to do is no longer a simple pair of spurs with your initials on it. I'm no longer going to do that anymore. So in a way I've kind of done exactly what you said, I think is I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. Is I'm focusing on the high end. Well, what you've done. Um, and, and so the, the watch out on all this is that 
I wouldn't support doing any of this that's not uh, data driven, right? That you don't, right. you can't look at it and say, here's the reason why I need to do this. And this is what I'm going to get for doing it. So, right. so in, in your example, is you're absolutely right. That's an example of um, beginning to focus more on what you want to do and what you believe will generate a greater return for you mm-hmm. and eliminating um, or at least attempting to yeah. eliminate a, a portion that um, doesn't work for you any longer. Yeah. The data-driven part of it is that what makes this all hold together is you're taking things that, that you're making less money on so that you can spend more time producing more of what you make more money on. So let me ask you this, Mike, is, is um, from a marketing and branding standpoint is I'm, I, I'm actually, my thought with all this is more the future than it is the present. But as I'm building high end pieces, more and more, like more and more people are becoming comfortable seeing those high end pieces, the value of those high end pieces. The, the reason they don't sell usually isn't because of the the dollar value. There's a lot of money out there in the world. And I don't mean to be saying that I'm, I don't know how to explain this, but nobody wants to look stupid buying something. Right. And so um, as it becomes more comfortable seeing other people buy this stuff. And as I go to sharing those experiences of building the high end pieces with people, there's other high end collectors. They'll say, Hey, that is cool. Like it becomes more comfortable for them to know they can spend that kind of money and not look a fool for spending that kind of money. Right. Yeah. Do, you, do you see what I'm trying to I, say? I, I think so. I, that, um, this is not just about stop doing things and doing more of other things. Right. You also have to make sure that your, uh, business is speaking to that. So right. if, if you're going to do more high end and hold that high end, you've got to be marketing to a bigger pool to yeah. be able to um, draw a new group in yes. who, who have desires and interests and the abilities to play in that arena. If, if all you want to do uh, high end is a, um, just because people have money, usually they have money because they're pretty damn smart and, exactly. and have the ability to, to evaluate. Yes. And so, and they don't just throw it around. They're some of the hardest people in the world to sell to. Absolutely. Uh, right. Because they're discerning, they understand value and, yes. and they, um, and they probably, they have the ability to say no better than most anybody I know. Absolutely. Totally agree. And move right along. So what we're talking about right now, they get. So, but you can't just say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus there. And I got five years of orders and life is good. No. Then your, your marketing, your communication, um, the, the, the things that you do all have to speak into that strategy. Totally agree. Totally agree. And part of the strategy is creating those high-end pieces and focusing on those high-end pieces. And, and, the, and the data showed me that my collector base was moving that way very rapidly. They were becoming comfortable, and, and I, was, I was attracting a higher-end market that I wanted to, to cater to. So 
it wasn't one day that I woke up and said, well, heck, I sold a bit for a lot of money, so I think I'll just do those now. That, no, 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 no. 25 years to get to this point. I'll pull up here for a second. Carrie, anything on your side that, that either I've tripped a trigger or um, stepped into a hole uh, that, that you think about well, this? <clears throat> Of course, I'm, 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 as we've talked about, we had a little visit here yesterday and, and talking about the uh, relevancy to, to our listeners out there and stuff. And we talk about high, high market, you know, high, high end market, all that kind of stuff. And, and these same dynamics apply regardless of where you are on the continuum. And that's what we need to remind people of is that, that, uh, if you want to make a living at at it, you're going to have to find a way to get paid for what you're doing. And that's, that's just the simple dynamic that we're talking about. Right. And, uh, so, uh, I always come back to Dale Harwood, um, a guy that marketed almost every piece that he made was, was to work in guys might, might not have been everyday working cowboys, but they were ranchers on the ranch and their stuff got used and that was high end mm-hmm. stuff. How did that happen? It came back down to what you just said a moment ago, Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he, uh, he built to that. He built to that demographic. Those people yeah. that had a high, it, it's not, we're not looking for people with a ton of money. We're looking for people mm-hmm. with a ton of appreciation. Isn't that what Absolutely. we're looking for? They drove up in a 60, yeah. The, the working cowboy drove up in a $60,000 truck with a $20,000 horse in it, right? Yeah. It, it's the appreciation. It's how you want to exactly. spend your money. And, and yes, yes, right. I I can spend a large portion of their yearly income in one deal. I'm not, they probably aren't going to do that, but but I I have everyday people spending lots of money on things that they appreciate. So it's so, and and now we you've just we've just jumped up in my world. So you have to have a plan. Yeah. And um, and the, and and Carrie just touched on something that uh, is critically important in all this. Our job is to support our family. Mm-hmm. And you. So it's not just a plan for your business. It's a plan that um, is designed to support your responsibilities to your family and to your community. So you have to have a family plan as well, because um, and this, you know, part of when we connected yesterday was around the idea that um, in this time continuum, um, things change as you age yeah. and all, and, and I'm, I'm right there. So I'm 69 years old. Um, I get to be a, I'm already a, a card carrying member of the blue and red club. So I've got my Medicare card. <laughs> um, and I, I get to, um, enjoy the, 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 the I don't know what it's called, but social security in a, in a mm. few months. Right. So I'm at that point in life and all of us have to um, prepare for that. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, and it and I can tell you from my standpoint that um, things change. Yeah. So w- what what the plan looks like today needs to recognize. I think needs to recognize that at different junctures in your life, your capacity to produce is going to change. Yeah. And I, I, all of us will resist it. But um, I know that what I was able to do at 50, I can't pull off at 70. Right. I don't, right. I don't have the, and we all work with our hands in, in, in the craft world. I don't have the manual dexterity, although I'm in pretty damn good shape and I work hard at trying to, to maintain it. I don't have the manual dexterity. I don't have the um, energy level that I, that I had. Um, and it, uh, all of that plays into our ability. If, if you're, a, if you are, this is where you're getting your income to be able to drive that result. And well, so, there's, well, there's, there's so much from that, Mike, and the, the planning financially. And, you know, I made the, we were having a discussion last week and, and I said that I had no planning for my future financially and I've spent every damn penny I've made and that's not good. Right. And I know it's not good. I know I need a change. And so, uh, you, you, you're, you're going to be voluntold to help me find the right, the right people, the right way to go about this, Mike, I have to change that, you know, and, and I have to, um, don't world don't be like me start now. Eli is 21 years old. He needs to start now. It'll be so much more beneficial. If you start now, have that discipline. I've never had that discipline. And so, uh, I have to change that. I want to change it. Knew I needed to 20 years ago, still haven't done it. So it needs, and that's where, and that's the link. I, the link I'm trying to create in all this is that um, none of this is just about a business plan. It's about a life plan because yep. they're all interconnected and one feeds the other one and vice versa. Um, and so we have to, um, I always look at it that way. We don't have to. And part of the reason I, I probably over push in this area is it's one thing that I see a lot of people uh, avoid. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of it is because there's a concept that I can do this forever. Yeah. No. Um, and, and, and you can, I, I, I have, I got, I have the perfect example living here in Boise, Idaho. His name is Kirby Oren. Um, he's, he's a, he's, he's one of, I don't use this, this for, to describe very many people. He's a precious man. Right. Um, he's a heart surgeon, um, very accomplished heart surgeon. He is a wickedly good braider. Um, learned at the uh, learned from Jack Shepard, who's he's probably one of only one who who got to learn from Jack Shepard. Has that knowledge base. He still braids. He still produces hides. Um, he's a bit smaller than I am and I have a hard time forcing these things around sometimes. And he's still at it at 86 years old. That's awesome. Um, but he's not making a living doing it. Um, mm-hmm. he's enjoying it as, um, 
a way to, to be active doing something that he loves. He's contributing back into the community. And so he's, he's morphed that change and, and he's able to do that. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm just blessed to, to be able to have someone that like that in my life that I can look up to and say, okay, I want to be like that. I, I, that, that's, that's how, that's what this looks like for me. And so trying to get folks started, and you said it, Wilson, when they're young, mm-hmm. thinking this way, that they have to have a family plan that includes be, uh, not just a working spouse that's covering everything, but um, contributing at least equal, mm-hmm. that there's um, insurance coverage so that we're, we're prepared. Uh, you have an emergency fund for when things happen that are unexpected getting that life plan in place becomes an important part of the business plan. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's like we said, it starts young and, and, and Carrie said it a while ago. Um, like me talking, some of my prices, me talking about focusing on a high end, me talking about a large backlog. Um, I don't want the younger guys that are listening to this, younger people listening to this to think that I'm different than them. I'm at a different stage of the plan, maybe, but it's all the same. Eli is going through the exact same thing right now at 21 years old. He's taken his skill set is improving. His his time commitment is extending and the value of his product is going up. So he's changing demographics within his marketplace as he moves through this. We're all in very similar shoes in a lot of ways. Don't believe that you're different than me. I, Mike, I used to think you were different. You had a whole different business and not you, but you're where you come from. I didn't think that my world related to yours. Now I know it's exactly the same in so, so many ways. Well, that's the, that's the pushback. We talked about this yesterday on our little visit. We had to kind of tee things up for today is the, and, and to be honest, I mean, it's a, it's a cowboy world, right? It's kind of the cowboy way to run by the cedar seat of your pants and, you know, just ride the bronc to a standstill if you can. And if you get bucked off, you get back on. Well, well, you can't do that indefinitely. And, uh, mm-hmm. at some point then you might get in a situation, you, you almost certainly in some sense or another be dependent on someone else. So this is a, this is a way that we can kind of get the cowboy spirit going or be a little bit more independent as we, as we get older with things. And it has to happen as Mike says, through planning, we've got to be able to take care mm-hmm. of things of the day in order that those things will be taken care of in the long run and it's easy when you're young i mean that's that's the cowboy deal right i i've been there it's one of those things where you just you you see this expanse of time out ahead of you and you're bulletproof and folks it's going to happen quicker than you think Uh, it's you just take a couple of naps and you're going to be knocking on the door and you're some of your dexterity, as Mike's talking about, your abilities, your cognitive abilities, all of that stuff is going to start to abrade away. What are you going to do then? Yeah, and 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 one thing that, uh, and this probably will be a little bit controversial, but um, 
in all the conversations that we're having around this, that we've had around this, um, I've, I've heard a lot of people in this space talking about, well, I just, I'm doing this because I don't want to go work for someone else. <laughs> I, I don't want just a salary. Well, the reality of, of everything we're talking about right now is, that it, and it includes the two of you, at, at the level you've accomplished, you're working for a salary. That's it. Yep. I mean, I, 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 it's just that you're chief cook and bottle washer um, and CEO. So you're, but, but you are literally working for a salary. And the things that we're talking about right now are no different than what happened to me in my career. Um, I started out as a salesman for a carnation company and I was making basically nothing. And I retired as the president of Coinstar and I was making more. Right. And, and so th that's the same as you were charging this for a bit or this for a saddle 20 years ago. And now you're charging more. Yep. That's just salary. That, that's why I said, well, I don't have a business. I have a damn good job. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's the truth. But see, the thing that, 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 not the thing, but the opportunity that I had that a sole proprietor should create is that I had a company that was watching out for me all along the way, not because they loved me, but because legally they had to. So mm -hmm. they, and competitively, they had to provide insurance for me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to provide uh, opportunities for me to generate assets in the form of 401ks and IRAs to be competitive because that's what everyone else was doing. And because of the way those things were set up, they were actually not only just paying for some of that, but they were enhancing the value of it. So what they were generating for me were performing assets that I could use in addition to my salary to be able to fund my future. Yeah. And a sole proprietor has, unfortunately, the responsibilities to do that for themselves. Goes goes back to knowing the cost of doing business, right? And and you, you can't. Our you can't. Yeah, you can't ignore it. It it's no. it it's it's not you can't avoid it, right? So even social security, half of my social security was funded by the companies that I work for. They paid for half my FICA. Mm -hmm. And I had to pay the other half. Um now I'm not arguing that social security is a great thing. It it's mm. we, we could spend a whole lifetime talking about that one. Um but it, 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 in some ways, forced a savings plan yeah. um, or a retirement plan that um, at least is something as you get to a point of retirement. And without that, then the individual is left to preparing for that moment in time on their own. And so as we think about time management, time journaling, 80-20 rule, um, what not to do. It's all around being able to support a plan 
that has to achieve certain results at some point in time. So time journaling is just the first data input on the road to be able to get getting to that point that we have a plan that identifies what you want at points in time in the future. And then that becomes what we use to evaluate everything that you're doing relative to your success and what you should should um, either do more of, do less of, or how we need to fine tune it. And Kerry, as he was talking during last week's uh, podcast around estate planning and financial planning, all of that, he's already begun some of that. So mm-hmm. there is, there's momentum in that direction, and it's a matter of enhancing. If uh, you haven't, Wilson, begun that, it's never too late to start. You're right. I don't care if you're five years away from a point in time. It's never too late to start. But if you're 50 years away from that point, what a great opportunity to start. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm like Eli, 21 years old, get started, little buddy, right? And and I'll and I'll hurt uh, I'll help as I'm learning. I'll share that knowledge too. And of course, this podcast allows us to do that. But I'm, but and, and, I'm and not, look, I'm learning. Graham yeah. Quisenberry is uh, quite a talented uh, yes. craftsman yes. on a, a variety of fronts, mm-hmm. and we are connected through the Rawhide community. And I do some of this with him. He's teaching me. He introduced me to a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad that I would recommend to any craftsperson. In fact, my kids have been, uh, they weren't given the option to read it. They were, um, Told. it was more of a, harder to tell them when they're in their 30s what to do, but um, I still have a little bit of pull on that part. <laughs> the... Uh, it, it, it's not what you think. The title is not what the book is about, but the concept of it is that is was what we're talking about: being salaried, working for someone else, versus um, working to to create assets that will start to generate returns from you that don't require you to touch everything that you do. Yeah, right, hmm. and what that a- can be investment portfolios. It can be IRAs. It can be social security. It can be um, land that you have real estate. This guy was, was he used real estate to, to create that, but it, it's that it's something that begins to augment and become a, a growing portion of your income over time so that you are less dependent upon your day job. Right. And, preparing for that point in time where your day job may not be generating what it has in the past. When we know it's going to happen. I mean, we, I talked about it last week, talked about it with you yesterday. I, I, I have put the number 65 as the, as when my declining prime will start. And, and I, I've seen it so very often by the time 70 rolls around, like you were talking, Mike, the old body's a little sore and, and uh, being able to produce like we were. I, that's one, that is a reason I'm focusing on the high end too, because basically I have 15 years of prime building left there. I see not that I'm going to be done, 
but I see that as the window starting to close in my prime time. So I'm going to make full, I'm going to maximize my opportunity in my prime to really create some really nice pieces and not do those things that aren't going to enhance that portfolio of my work. Yeah. And, and, and if you want, and, and a good wake up call for this is that if, if, if someone's living expenses, let's just say they're $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. If inflation increases those by 3%, which is sort of the number that has stood the test of time, 20 years from now, those expenses are going to be over $90,000. Yeah. So, so their, their income has to grow by that much just to be, just to hold your just ground. To maintain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so if we don't go up on our prices every year by at least 3%, we're losing ground on, on how much money we're making to put in the bank account. Exactly right. And if you're not going, if you're not going up by more than that, then you're not generating value because your skill level. Yep. It had better be improving or yep. you got a bigger problem, but your skill level as it's advancing would say that you're actually going up by more than that. right. It needs to be. It needs, it, it's just mandatory to, to get, a, to get recognized for what you're doing. Yeah. So if, if those, if those things are not working in your world, then, then that becomes the first indication of a real problem. That's right. And if you don't think you have value, nobody else will either. And, and, uh, that, yeah. And, and you can't let, um, ego can't get in our way. No. Uh, we, we have to, we have to cont- uh, go back to inspect what you ins- expect. So, mm-hmm. uh, I can think my, my, the quality of my rawhide gear is improving, but someone else may look at it and go, are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> right. You know, um, and and it and it's one of the reasons why anytime I get around anybody that I that I respect, first thing I do is stick a piece of gear in their hands and say, "Okay, um, what yep. do you think? Um, and uh, what's the one thing I can do to improve?" And and then I and then they start giving me insights around. Well, if you want to do something really cool, why don't you try that? All right. Um, those, so. Playing in that world is how we inspect what we expect because we can breathe our own exhaust pretty easily um, and get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, don't, don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid, don't read your own press, all those different yeah. things, right? So three things for you guys as it right. relates to time journaling. 80-20 rule, start putting some thought around that. Even though you may not have the financials to back it up, um, but you, you've been at this long enough to start to, to think about your world that way. So what fits in the 20%, which is generating the majority of what you make every year? What might be in the 80%? So think about it as just a straw man. Mm-hmm. Um, two, start um, thinking about things along the lines of what am I, what, what should I continue to do? What should I stop doing? And what might I start doing? that could play um could could pick up some of the slack that that will 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 highlight or come to life in in the stop doing phase and then um you need we need to come up with a way for you to start capturing your financial performance so a, a p l statement 
and your your accountant may have one through your if you've got a bookkeeper or someone who's using or if you're using QuickBooks or some of that probably available. But if not, we have to start being able to, to have a monthly uh, report that shows us revenue, costs, um, and and profitability, month by month. Month by month. So I have yearly, which she could also do yearly, I mean monthly for me. But Probably. Yeah, uh, should it uh, – that's, that's general. Does it need to be as specific as per project or uh, – I, 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 Eventually, yes. If if it's available now, that would be outstanding. Even if it's not organized in any particular way from the data, we can start thinking about how we might organize it. Mm -hmm. That's all very interesting to me, and that, and that's going to be a topic that we discuss either podcast or individually, privately. But uh, I I uh, like that data, right? I got five dollars worth of steel and a hundred dollars worth of silver and gold, and three months of time. Uh, that's the part that I need to work out. And, and the other thing that you should be doing individually, if you don't have it, is you need to create a family budget mm -hmm. that, um, that, that, that you start tracking your, your, your monthly results against, because that ultimately we have to generate enough out of your businesses to at least meet that expectation and then the extra part becomes what starts to to allow you to create assets to that we can put to, that you can put to work to support you. So let me ask you this question, Mike. And like um, uh, finding an efficient way to record these things and, and is very important to me. And uh, like Amy Raymond was in the shop a couple of weeks ago, and she had QuickBooks online. Well, my, and, and used it to track everything. It was all plugged in and she could watch as things were going on. My accountant is not a fan of uh, QuickBooks Online, which I guess most of them aren't. But it creates a separation between what she's doing and what I'm doing. And like I'm not doing anything and, I, and it's hard to get info from them. They're very busy and understandable. Is are is should I do that? Even though my accountant's not a fan of it, is something personally like within my own bookkeeping? How do I, how do I keep track of that? That's a big question. Well, the, the, the easiest thing to do is use Excel or or a program like that. Right. You can create all that. Now that require. One, I recognize it's one of the fundamental problems I run into when I talk with folks in this world around this is that most of them don't have any experience with Excel. Right. And so it's a barrier that I run into, and I don't know how to get over that barrier. Um, you might talk to your accountant and just say, look, I'm trying to get, here, here's my need. I need to be able to have access to this. I want to be able to start using it to do planning. Mm -hmm. How can we make that happen? Right. So See how she feels about that. Sure. And like maybe she'll have options that works together. The the thing about some of those programs like QuickBook is you'll automatically link accounts, bank accounts, credit cards and stuff like that and automatically plug them in. Where is that option available in Excel? I mean, I'm using Excel and can learn way more. Yep. But. Yeah, it can be it can be uh, she can export it in. I think there's a number of things she might be able to help you with uh, to start bringing some of this to life.
And okay. I'm happy to hop on a call and, and guide if that helps. No, it the absolutely other thing does. for you is I, I think let's, I, if you're up for maybe having a call with Jason, uh, just to kind mm-hmm. of connect the dots between what he saw and, uh, and thought sure. that, so that might, um, I might be able to tease that apart just a little bit as well. Okay. Perfect. Should we wrap things up, Shorty? We about you didn't get to talk again today. Sorry. Well, that's okay. I, I do have a couple of closing kind of thoughts to perhaps put a bow on it. So the vast majority of people out there are wage earners, right? They, they work for an agency, an organization, a company, a ranch, or whatever, and to some degree, uh, as we've described earlier in this conversation. Uh, the company, that person, that employer is taking care of you because of the value you you present uh, to the company. And uh, so you're you're leaving, they're investing in you in a sense, right? And mm-hmm. what we've described here today, that's up to us, the onus is on us to invest in ourselves in our own company. And if we don't do that, it doesn't get done. It's like putting, it's like putting money in a, your money in a passbook savings account. What's the definition of putting money in a passbook savings account? It's a guaranteed way to lose money. (laughs) Because, because your, your rate of inflation is going to erode that, that, 0.5% 0.5% you're earning on that money is going to be, as Mike said a moment ago, that's going to be a pretty rude awakening when you start to draw that money out of there. And it, it's like you put it in a coffee can under the bed and mm-hmm. wow, <clears throat> this money ain't worth nothing. And yeah. uh, so how do we, how do we hedge our bet against that kind of dynamic and uh, find a way to be, viable moving forward hopefully so well this has been fascinating uh fascinating discussion i learned a lot i got some notes written and i'm embarrassed by how backwards my business is (laughs) (laughs) really is too oh yeah yeah. wait a minute don't be i every business out there is backwards in some way um (laughs) right it don't it, it, embarrassment is it, that's not an option, Terry, um, <laughs> because you are not alone. Um, th- this is um, it's a challenge for everyone. And there were folks who came alongside of me and had to challenge me because I was uh, I, I had opportunity. So this this is all about um, it's just simply about getting better. It's no different than when. When you do your workout every morning, um, you're trying to, to improve something, um, or you wouldn't be doing it. This is this is all this is all leaning in, not um, anything other than that. And the good news for both of you is you get to stop time journaling, even though Wilson <laughs> did. Uh, you're off the hook there. Now we're just going to use that information. Yeah, now you got to use it. I, 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 you know what? I want to say that. Uh, Time journaling has bled over into my my time clock. And now within each piece, I have a description of what I'm doing in that time so that when somebody says, hey, can you pinstripe inlay a set of bands? 
I, in general, I knew. Now I will know because I have a description on my timesheet that says this is what I'm doing during this time, and that will help me with bidding in the future, hopefully. Yeah. So. Here we go. All right. Thank you, Gary. Well, thank for you, Mike. Me. Uh, it was it was awesome again, Mike. And uh, I'm sorry we chose you to be our friend, but welcome aboard. <laughs> well, I can run, but I can't hide. So nope. I'm in, I'm in. You're you're on the hook. All right. You guys have a great day. Take care, Will. All right. Adios.